And so recognizing that church, work, family, your neighborhood, the news, social media, all these things are coming at you in a million different ways and telling you, essentially, you're not good enough. Even if you have a 4.0, you're not smart enough. Even if you have the CEO title, you're not good enough at whatever it is. And so we're constantly comparing ourselves to something else and putting ourselves on a metric that a lot of times doesn't even truly apply. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the sensational Kristen Edwards. Kristen Edwards is an HR professional, inspirational speaker, podcast host, and success coach for women entrepreneurs who feel like they are constantly overlooked in their marketplace. With a master's degree in educational psychology, she has helped hundreds of women to be confident business leaders and create their dream lives. Kristen Edwards, we have been trying to get this recording for so long, and it's been so goofily dramatic and hilarious and wonderful, and you've been so patient, but the day is here. The time has come. And I could ask you the question, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? They need to trust their gut. All right. Trust their gut. How? Trust their gut on what? Like, what's going on with our guts? Yeah. I mean, we make a thousand decisions every single week. And something's like, should I post? Should I not post on social media? Should I do what all the guru people out there are telling me to do? Or should I listen to my own intuition? So I'm obsessed with the Enneagram. I'm obsessed with learning about yourself. I believe that once you are a business owner, you are a leader because you are leading your clients. So this, regardless of the size of your team, you're leading um, people out there that are following you, that are going to buy from you, that are going to work with you. And so knowing how to trust yourself is going to allow others to trust that you can also provide and deliver on that service you offer. I think that that is majestic because you're totally right in that. I think it's really easy when we're in the grind or when we're building the plane while flying it or while we're looking at our marketing metrics and our dopamine stats and all of these things, I think it's really hard sometimes in spite of all of that or because of all of that to stop and remember that we are influencing other people. And as such, what are you going to rely on if other people are relying on you survival instinct, AKA part of your intuition, right? So I love that we're talking about both leading and trusting your gut as you lead, because I don't necessarily see 
that combination all the time. I don't see people say like, go with your gut. Normally it's like, go with your gut. And if you stray away from the path, it's fine. Go alone. And you're like, go with your gut. And by the way, other people are watching you go with your gut. So really go with your gut. Dang. Yeah. And it's a scary thing to do. So as much as I'm like, just trust your gut, I also know that there's a journey (laughs) to believing in yourself. And so again, the day that you decided to start a business is what made you a leader. So I don't care if you make a hundred bucks a month because you're new or you're making a hundred bucks per minute and you're just that awesome, already a billionaire. It doesn't matter how many people are on your team. You might not even have, you know, an assistant helping you behind the scenes yet. And none of that matters. The fact that you are saying I'm providing a service means that I have a level of expertise to provide something to others. Um, and so again, well, even if it's a product, right? Like you sell t-shirts just as much as you're a web designer, let alone a coach. You're obviously putting yourself on a certain, um, level of, or consulting, you know, that kind of thing. But you're saying that I have knowledge, I have expertise, I have experience, I have an education. Hopefully you know all of your credentials and what those things are, but I am now turning around and helping other people transform their life, their business, their website, their social media, whatever it is, to take them to the next level. And so recognizing that you are already a leader can be a very scary thing because a lot of us think like, I won't be a leader until I'm a millionaire um, or I never want to be a leader, but you already are. And part of that comes from knowing yourself. Um, If you've been online for at least three days, you've heard about the no like and trust factor. What? What? And so, what? <laughs> yeah, what is the no like and trust factor, right? <laughs> uh, and so you have to, before you have other people doing that, you have to know yourself. Um, yes. And that comes through self-awareness. You have to like yourself. So I sure hope you are at a level of self-love. You don't have to love all of yourself because we all have those things that we're working on. But loving that you have, loving your education, your experience, the off the service that you mm-hmm. are putting out there. And you have to trust that you can deliver on what you're saying. So stop lying to people. Don't put it on your sales page if it's not something you can deliver on. And don't call yourself comprehensive if you only help them with A and B. If you really do help them with A to Z, then like go ahead and call yourself that. Um, Don't feel like you need to be an all-in-one, but maybe you're seven different layers of that. Like I'm obsessed with all personality tools. All of my clients use the Enneagram. So that helps them with the self-awareness. I tell them to embrace your weird because I'm weird. (laughs) Um, That's kind of what what I've learned to own about myself. A weird person being on this show. It has never been done. It has never been done. Exactly. But like embrace that. That is your unique value proposition is the combination of weirdness within you plus your knowledge go sell it um and i know that's what you tell your people as well but like take those things (laughs) combine them all together and then recognize that when you trust that you can deliver because of who you are and what you know and what you can do then other people are legit going to be like, here's my credit card information. How much money do you want? I'm excited for you to transform my life, my business, my health, whatever it is that you're offering on the other side. And again, I know that it's a journey, but at the end of it, 
learning that self-trust comes from that self-awareness. Um, and that's what makes you really awesome. And that's what takes your business to the next level. Like we talk about confidence. So the summary of all of this is confidence, but how do you get there? It's taking those courageous steps and learning to trust yourself along the way. The lighthouse beacon that I see in everything that you're talking about, which is kind of like making me a little soggy, weepy, is this idea of self-trust, right? If I if I am willing to trust my intuition, it means that I believe fundamentally that I can make whatever happens next work and that I will handle whatever comes next to the best of my ability because I will rise to that occasion. And I, and I know that. Right. And also like, I trust myself with other people. I trust my expertise, trust, 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 all of this trust. And it reminds me of the first time I ever made first only, I don't know. Well, I'm getting kind of soggy now, so maybe not only, but the first time I ever really cried on this podcast, I was talking about something similar with Chantal Andercastle and in the Good Place episode. And she said, well, what if before other people can know, like, and trust you, you have to know, like, and trust yourself. And I just started crying. I was just like, but in practice, like you were just talking about, like, don't say you're comprehensive if you're not. Not only that, if you're paying attention to all of these other avenues, how loud can your intuition and your gut be when you're so filled with stress and distraction? And it reminds me of the recent episode that I did with Derek Gorthy, where we were talking about 90 Day Fiance. And he was like, I never lie about what our platform does or doesn't do, because it's just like when you lie to someone on 90 Day Fiance and then marry them, you got to keep that lie up forever. Yeah. Or at least six months to get your green cards. Exactly. Right. So like the effort that goes into maintaining the lie is such an epic energy waste on top of the morality of lying. It's like it's not a good business practice on multiple fronts, including energy and time management. Yeah. And if you don't have the energy and you don't have the time, then you don't have a business. So might as well acknowledge those things. But then also what you're saying of like, of of where you, you know, don't lie to them, just be straightforward about it. 90% of people who are looking to buy a program only want to get the next step. They don't want something comprehensive because that looks scary. Like, yeah. hey, you just learned how to uh, ride a bike, but now I want you to do a cross country and a tractor trailer. You're like, oh, crap. I just wanted to upgrade to a moped. Like, yes. I wasn't ready for all of those things. Yes. And so if your program is just that next tier or I'm in a pickup truck and now I'm ready for the, like, okay, fine. You're on the end of that alphabet scale or whatever it is looking like, but just, I help you with this part. I don't help you go from walking to driving tractor trailers across the country or, you know, whatever that is. So pick where you love working with a particular group. So you might be capable like leadership is for everyone. I can help everyone be a leader of the whole planet. But I love helping people that are in that solopreneur stage. So like that's what I do in my business. Why? Because I trust my gut. Have I done it in corporate? Absolutely. Have I worked with executives? Absolutely. Have I done all these other things? Sure. In the moment, if I need the money, like, okay. But 
where do I love it? <laughs> where do I have? I'm just being honest here. I but mean, like, we've all where done do I that. love I it? I giggle because I feel deeply. Yeah. So sometimes you just do it. But also, I've explored things <laughs> and like I got paid while I was exploring. So it's fine. But where I love it and where I see the biggest breakthrough and transformation, and I think is one of the hardest hurdles in leadership is that solopreneur stage. So that's what I hone in on. So like learning to trust myself and knowing that that passion, just as much as that expertise focuses in. And I want everyone to like do that for your own business too. find that spot and let's run with it. Lean on into it. Absolutely. I need to take a breath. I'm leaning (laughs) into it so hard. I'm getting winded. Dang. Oh man. But you know, you said something else in there that I think is really riveting. You said you think that everybody is a leader or everyone, you know, can be a leader. I know a lot of listeners would quietly to themselves push back on that in a mean way on themselves. They wouldn't argue with you. They believe you. I'm sure they already love you. But underneath, they might be thinking, I'm not a leader. Nobody ever listens to me. I'm not a leader. I wouldn't know where people to go. I'm not a leader. I have no experience in leading. So to the people, similarly to the people I see every day that are like, I mean, they're the same people that are like, I'm not a salesperson. I can't close a deal. I'm like, of course you can. Of course you can. You're just trying to close it in a way that's not right for you. So to anybody out there who really is not familiar with their own leadership abilities, what do you say to those people? I know this is the one thing that no one, none of them want me to say, but I'm going to say anyways. And I think say it starts it. with reflection and journaling. And trust me, I hate that word just as much as you do. But the power <laughs> of journaling <laughs> works. <laughs> so, and as someone with a degree in psychology, I will say, you can fight me, but you can't fight all the psychologists on the planet. So <laughs> take a, a piece of pen and a paper and watch it work some miracles. There's journaling prompts out there to kind of help you get started. Um, and again, like, stop arguing with all the people who have done it and proven yep. it. And they're like, like, I literally, I, I will admit this. I hate journaling. But you think I you do just it? Said, yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. I thought you were, but about I, to do say arson I do it. I still do something. You're like, we don't want to talk about it, but it does work. Arson, and instead, you're like journaling. So I was like, oh, okay, journaling. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things that we're like, oh, I hate writing things down, and I get it. You're not 12 years old. You're not writing in your pink little diary that you hide under your pillow. But there's a lot of power in what you can do by recognizing where you've been, recognizing where you want to go admitting it by writing it down because we have a million thoughts, but when you write it down, it becomes 55% more likely that it actually happens just by writing it down. So take your dreams, take your goals, take those big, bold, ridiculous ideas and just write them down and then see where life takes you. But when you write it down, it becomes real, not just to your brain, which can do a lot of things, but it becomes real to the outside world, even if you never share that piece of paper with anyone else. Um, and so start by journaling, start by doing that work. And then just as much as you're writing down all the big fun goals, write down those fears. What's holding you back? Because they lose their power when they also get externalized. When you tell someone else, hey, I'm scared of this, and they can explain to you why you don't have to be scared of that particular thing, fear loses its power 
and all of your dreams gain power. And so like journal, write it down. That's where it really starts. But then the next step is like, you know, building a plan and taking action and all those other things that we've heard. Um, but the hardest part is honestly writing down and acknowledging it. Yeah. I don't think I've journaled since the 90s, really. You probably have a notebook where you jot yes. things down. I do. I, I have this lovely, remarkable tablet. Sponsored my podcast, Remarkable Tablets. No, but you know what? I would say that I haven't journaled in forever, and yet I, I hire every coach on the planet, and they ask me questions, and I write things down. Hmm. hmm. What could that be called? Call hmm. it whatever you want. Write things hmm. down. <laughs> You know, one thing that I was not journaling, but totally journaling on the other day, I went to an event by my friend, Aaron McCoy, who's a really amazing coach with a really gorgeous healing vibe. And she had us as part of our like planning ritual for the week. She had us uh, pick things that we wanted to forgive ourselves for. And there was quite a few buckets of of things other than self-forgiveness. But self-forgiveness was so resonant with me. And I thought I was the only one, of course, because I'm a unicorn and a snowflake and I'm like, ah, I'm special. Um, but when I was looking in the chat, I was seeing all of these other women that were on the call saying, whoa, self-forgiveness, really needed self-forgiveness. Holy cow, self-forgiveness. And I realized, of course, I'm not alone in this. But dang, we have some self-healing to do between us and us, right? And and I'm hearing that reflected too. And like, if I'm not going to forgive myself, how can I trust myself fully? And if I'm not willing to look at what I want to forgive myself for, even in the process of forgiving myself for it, then I'm going to have kind of like this tainted self-trust instead of actual intuitive gut level trust, which is what we need to work toward, right? So one of the things I love about the the Enneagram is it's telling us about, you know, what's natural for us. So what is the relationship between stuff like self-forgiveness and honoring your nature? So I think we grow up in whatever culture you grow up in, you know, whether it be um, different countries that your family might be from and kind of that upbringing, the fact, again, whatever country you live in today and how that's influenced you. You might not have had it in the 90s, but in 2022, social media is in your face. Even if you don't have an account, social media is in your face. And so recognizing that Church, work, family, your neighborhood, the news, social media, all these things are coming at you in a million different ways and telling you, essentially, you're not good enough. Even if you have a 4.0, you're not smart enough. Even if you have the CEO title, you're not good enough at whatever it is. And so we're constantly comparing ourselves to something else and putting ourselves on a metric that a lot of times doesn't even truly apply. The 22-year-old oh, intern cannot be a CEO. Like, <sighs> Hold on. That's a tote bag. Need a breather? <laughs> Woo! Okay. Mm. Giving some emotional birth over here. Damn. Okay. Yeah, what sorry. If the gut you che- checking your, trusting your gut comes with gut checks, too. Yeah, man. But, like, what if you are grading yourself on metrics that don't 
even pertain to you. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. That's my official professional <laughs> response as a veteran business advisor. Oh, and also crap. Um, No, because you're totally right. And I think that's part of that, like, not trusting your gut, but trusting dopamine. Mm-hmm. Right? Of like, I won't trust my gut, but I'll trust my brain, but I'll only trust the pleasure center of my brain, not the part of my brain that wants me to listen to me and my body. Mm-hmm. Right? And... And All right. I'm not even a people pleaser, and I still want to make sure that, like, my parents are proud of me and that my kids have a great example and that all the people that I've ever babysat even, like, 15 years ago still think I'm a good person. <laughs> like, we all have those <sighs> things, and I'm keeping it kind of superficial, but I'm sure we can all go a lot deeper on making sure you got the A so that you could get the right internship, so that you got the right job, so that you can get the right promotion and, like, your friend got promoted six months ahead of you at a different company and all of these things. And so we write these stories of not being enough or needing to do something extra or going back to school and getting the extra degree or working overtime or having six jobs or, again, the list is endless. Instead of recognizing this is what I'm really good at and leaning in to that particular thing, I only knew I knew I loved helping people. And so as a three-year-old, the only thing I knew about helping others, my mom was a teacher, and then I went to the doctors. I wasn't even a sick kid, but like, you know, you go to the doctor. And yeah, get you got to go to the doctor. And I was like, well, I don't want to do what my mom does and multiple aunts and uncles, including my dad, like a lot of teachers in my family. So I guess I'll go be a pediatrician. And so from three until I was 18, I was on a path, like became an EMT, did all the things. I'm going to be a doctor. The truth is, I just never knew that there were other ways to help people. And it sounds really dumb. Like now when I hear it of like, you didn't know you could help people other ways, but. That's the modeling you had. Exactly. And so how many of us picked a career because you had like four examples of what you could do? Yeah. And you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't want to do this. My dad went to engineering school because his dad told him to go to engineering school because his brother was an engineer. Like, it's also like generational mandate in some families and cultures, too. Like, that's the most successful person, you know, that's what you emulate. And for you, the biggest helper, you know, that's what you emulate. Right. So guess I'll go be. And so. Eventually, like, you know, I found out about coaching being this thing, but the only coaches I ever knew were six year old white men. And I was like, that's cool. I'm not white, in case anyone can't see me. I'm not white. I'm not a man. Have no plans on becoming either of those things. Nope. Guess I'll wait till I'm 60. Mind you, I was like 20 at the time. So I was like, great. In 40 years, I could become a coach. Maybe. And that's all I had. Yeah, hopefully. I could check off one of the three boxes. One of the three criteria. (laughs) But, like, that's what I knew. And so, you know, obviously by my late 20s, I figured out there were alternative (laughs) options to this thing. (laughs) But it also took until a pandemic and, you know, a lot of the BLM stuff in 2020 for me to ever know that there were other Black coaches. So even when I started coaching, I didn't know that there were any others out there because, again, we were all 
forced to sit in a little bubble because you're not enough. But I still had something in me that said, like, coaching is what I love. Coaching is what I do. I have a corporate career in HR. So, like, there were elements of coaching and I was doing all the leadershipy things that were putting me on this when I'm 60 path. But I very much thought that this was like, a little bubble I would have to ride out by myself and only be mentored by old white men for the rest of my life to ever get there. So again, like grateful to the fact that I found a million women coaches at this point, 90% of them are still white and probably most of them are close to 60, (laughs) but (laughs) not you. I said some of them. (laughs) You said white and I am all white people. So, (laughs) well, well, you, you see, you're checking two of the boxes, so you got more than I do. <laughs> um, so you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things um, of of trying to figure out. Okay, this is what's for me. This is what I know I want. This is what I'm studying. Like I got a master's in leadership psychology, but like focused on leadership. So it's like I knew what I wanted, but I also thought I had to wait another forty years to get there. And so, how do you build that path for yourself? to not wait 40 years, but like do it in four years. Um, I'll also say none of this is going to happen in four months. So I know there's a lot of 90 day programs out there. Y'all, we couldn't even get a podcast (laughs) recorded for four months. You think you got to change the world in four months? Kristen and I literally, who are friends, it took us four months utilizing technology to book this episode. (laughs) So give yourself some realistic expectations, y'all. Yes. Yes. All those three-month coaching programs are just the start. (laughs) They're just the foundation. They are not the magic pill. And I'm sorry you think that that's the thing, but again, learning to trust yourself. And so that comes with hard work. I believe in coaches. I believe in having support. I believe in getting, you know, specific expertise. If you need help with sales, go call Annie, like work with her. But those kind of things of figuring out, okay, this is what I need next. But don't think that three months in a program is going to make you a billionaire. And another thing that we've all been falsely sold because of that one person one time or two people three times um, about doing it, but recognizing that when you lean into something that you are almost obsessed with, but like passionate about your education, your work experience, an excitement to do it, and then saying, I want to help others go and do the same that combination is what allows you to start building those stepping stones. And so it starts with self-awareness and then you add the, the trust layer on it, but embracing the fact that like you have weird ideas and you don't check any of the boxes for that goal that you might have, but it also doesn't mean that you're not able to go and pursue that dream as well. Hot damn. You know, and we've been making a lot of jokes about like it being a white man's world and you being black and me being white and we laugh because it's painful um and also because yes. what else are we <laughs> going to do own therapy. but i do want to i feel like i would be remiss if i didn't ask you this question which is we've been talking about leadership and owning your leadership and owning the fact that you're a leader whether you want it or not so you may as well rock it and do it intentionally um you had mentioned not knowing that you were not the only Black coach out there. And so that to me says even more something I've heard a lot, uh, especially since everything that happened with George Floyd and everything else, that representation really does matter. And I think um, I'd love your stance because what I hear in my white brain um, is that if you are hesitant to lead 
but people can look at you and see themselves reflected, maybe consider being brave and bolder for them because they need to see you. That's my thought, but I'd love to hear your take, your voice, your experience on that idea. Well, I'm just going to echo you, but <laughs> I completely <laughs> I completely agree. There's multiple there's multiple layers to that. So once you have taken that step, and I'd say even the know and like part and you're working on the trust part of it, so you don't have to be 100% through that, but the whole point of being a business owner hopefully you're good people out here listening, is that you want to make the world a better place. Even if you're a web designer, I'm not belittling web designers, but sometimes people are like, oh, I'm only of this. So therefore, if you design my website and I am the quote unquote best women's whatever out there, you're a part of that puzzle that is now allowing other people to change their lives. If you design websites for health professionals and everyone becomes healthy and no one dies of these crazy diseases and things anymore, you are a part of that puzzle in changing the world. So like whatever it is you're doing, don't think that it's too small of a thing. And I'm picking on web designers only because I'm working with the web designer right now and not because like I think less of them. But again, I think it's very much a part of of that puzzle. And it all, like we all contribute again, our strengths into this bigger picture um, of things. And I almost forgot your question. So can you tell me again? Leadership and representation yes. or representation so, and leadership, the relationship between those two things. Yes. Thank you. Um, and so recognizing that you are adding into that and then pouring again, it's all like a cycle. And so what I get to do now for my kids and what my kids are now inspired to do or nieces, nephews, and your neighbor's kids for those people without, but like recognizing what happens for the next generation. And this for me personally is like a race thing, but for others, it's their gender, it's their, you know, if they're LGBTQ plus, if they are um, a different religion, frankly, I think nowadays, even if you're a Christian in America, you're getting kind of crapped on. And so regardless of what that identity might be, if you are quote unquote plus size, which nowadays starts at a size 10. So all of us in the world at this point, uh, or at least in America, come out of the womb (laughs) plus size. They're like, oh, like, Whatever those different things are, you have a different hair color, skin color, your height. Like there's so many layers and we're told if you don't look like X, then you don't count. Well, what about the other 25 letters in the alphabet? And so being one of those 25 other letters gives someone else who has a quote unquote different identity a way to feel like I can go and achieve my dreams Two. So it's not one, it's the transformation of the actual people that are like your paying clients, but also you just showing up in that space is giving inspiration and motivation and is still making a difference, whether or not people are paying you. Y'all, are you just sitting there weeping? Are you just feeling so like liberated and soothed? I just hope that all around the world, people are just bawling because damn girl. You are dropping some joy and and some healing truth right now in that it's a permission slip, isn't it? It's a permission slip to show up and advocate for the things that make you you and the things that you're proud to continue to put into the world and the causes that matter to you as well, right? Because a lot of a lot of what we call causes is actually 
because it's one of the fundamental puzzle pieces of us or one of the fundamental puzzle pieces of us is affected, right? And and to your point, we need those pieces to make a full us and the puzzle needs us to make a complete puzzle. Everyone has had that frustration where you lose one puzzle piece. It's obnoxious. You tear open the couch you consider stomach pumping the dog. You're like, what? Now this will never be finished. If we're not showing up, it'll never be finished. Yeah. And you are that puzzle piece. So, like, How's that for a in. metaphor? Go fill it in. <laughs> go fill it in. Love it. Fill it in. All right. I also brought you here because you and I have a shared love of a character or a show. So I don't know yet if this show is going to be named after the character or the show. So I'll just ask you both. Kristen, my darling, my dear, the Enneagram, leadership, uh, trust, self-forgiveness, representation, journaling. What does any of this have to do with Olivia Pope and Scandal? So in season one of Scandal, Olivia Pope literally says, my gut tells me everything I need to know. Uh, oh, well, then that's pretty overt. Okay, episode over. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks awesome. for coming. But I will say as a part of my journey, so Scandal came out or started in 2012, I believe was season one. And at that point, I was the only black woman in my grad program. Um, and something about Carrie Washington being on that show, she was one of the first um, like primetime television shows to have a leading black woman. Um, and so she was, even in the arts, there were no Black women in leading roles. They're always supporting actresses. And so, like, that was a whole thing in the news. But again, I was on this personal journey at that time. It was not coaching, um, but recognizing, you know, how she made a name for herself, you know, in the political scene. Obviously, she solves problems. Um, and you just talked about puzzles. So I, I grew up loving puzzles. Um, yeah. I would actually do puzzles while watching Scandal. So I love that you didn't know that, but somehow knew that. Um, I mean, it's probably <laughs> because we know that we are sisters and I was probably doing the exact same thing. So, love it. you know, sitting there being like, ooh, how's Olivia going to fix this mess? And where is that corner piece? Ooh, ooh, exactly. Ooh. Like, and so I'm just a problem solver at heart. If I see something wrong, I want to fix it. This is why I wanted to be a doctor growing up. This is why I've been obsessed with like coaching and leadership and all these things is if there's a problem, how can I solve it? And so she literally is known as not going down the legal rabbit hole that she went through and not sleeping with the president. But I saw myself very Married much in Married president. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Get it together, Olivia. Um, but everything else in terms of like how she could see a problem, flip it around, have a solution. Like that's literally how my brain works. Um, Olivia Pope, the character is also an Enneagram type eight. And so there's just a lot of pieces of myself that I saw in her character, in her story. Um, my, my mom did not run B613, but very much had the type of dad that was like, I worked hard for you to be better than all these people. So go get it together. Um, and so again, just saw a million pieces of like, go be great, go take over the world and make it happen. Um, but also, like, she was capable of making it happen as well. So just, again, so many pieces of myself that I saw in her. Um, but in my journey of learning to know, like, and trust myself, and if you watch all seven seasons, you see 
the roller coaster of emotions, but also Olivia's journey in getting to say, okay, I trust myself at work and in business, but how do I trust myself on a personal level um, as well? And again, something else in my story that like when it came to work, boss knew what to do, knew what to say, could do all the things. And then I was like, oh, personal growth. Yeah, I guess, I guess we can do that too <laughs> as well. And obviously once you start a business, the worlds collide and you have to get it all together a lot faster. <laughs> I feel like I've had the opposite experience for recently, too, where I'm like, I am mentally healthy, feeling amazing. Where did my pipeline go? Shit. (laughs) There's moments. So I know I've had that, too. Right. The other like where it flips. But yeah, because that was the thing that I mean, that's part of the thing that made Scandal so arresting to watch is you would watch her save the day and then go mess up her own life. And you're like, stop it. You just literally prevented an international like, like war. And, and yet that you turned around and did the one thing you promised yourself you wouldn't do like girl. Multiple times too. Not just once or twice. <laughs> no. Seven seasons. So, Seven seasons. Yeah. And so, so it's just one of those shows, like, I, I will say it ended in 2016 because what they thought was funny ended up becoming reality. So screw you, America, for making this show end. Um, but it's just one of those shows where, like, I could see an arc of my character and development in my personal life. And she was, like, 30-something and I was 20-something. So I was like, don't mess up those things. But also a lot of similarities, um, but her personality is very much mine. Part of why I started telling people, you know, I'm an Olivia Pope is for, if any reason you don't want Olivia Pope to help you in your life, then I'm not your coach. I'm not your person. Don't call me. If you don't want a gut check, which you got like eight of them today, um, it's just a couple, less than an hour. I was going to say a couple hours. It's been 36 minutes and half of that was me just (laughs) responding. Exactly. So imagine me as your coach for three months. And so, like, if you don't want your life to get better, if you don't want problems resolved, if you don't like change, then, like, I'm not your person. And so that became a way of me telling people, like, listen, I don't play games. If you want to be a better person, I will make sure you get there. We will rework the the stories that are in your brain so that you can rewrite the narrative of where your dreams need to be accomplished. So I cannot solve your crimes. I will not get you out of legal anything. But in terms of the psychological and leadership development journey, I got you and I want to help you through that. And so, but it was like, if you don't want the gut check, if you don't want to be told some truth, then like, don't call me, go call somebody who's fluffy. Um, And so that that was part of it became like my shtick of helping people understand, you know, who are you as a coach? Um, But she's also like in my like branding of my company, like she's on the mood board legit. Um, I still have it on my bucket list. to get. You have Olivia Pope (laughs) and I have Red Fraggle. And I think that explains everything that people need to know about us jointly and individually. (laughs) Facts. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And then the one last thing that I'll say about Olivia Pope is like, she's really polished and professional and like, you can kind of hear it when I talk. I'm very polished and professional, even when I'm kicking it back and casual. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's just a way for people to, again, like see who I am as a brand without having to like 
tell me why they don't like if you don't like olivia pope bye bye mo- personally and professionally just bye <laughs> so well you know you're not gonna heard be of olivia pope, go watch it yeah oh yeah exactly. go watch it it's streaming and it's a great time you know one of the things that would happen on scandal pretty frequently not every episode but or not every scandal but pretty frequently is that like somebody who she's trying to help would tell her like 80% of the truth and then she would find out the other 20% in minutes and then like while out on the person and be like you need to trust me and this process and if you don't you can f right off and go get somebody else's help like if you're not going to trust me and so when you're saying like if you can't grok with some olivia pope energy i think part of that is too if you're not going to trust your coach and if you're not going to trust the process you need to either a open yourself up to being trusting or b find someone you can trust which on the provider side is all the more reason to do what we talked about at the very beginning which is work on your self trust because other people can pick up on that absolutely Right? Like, Olivia Pope can't be like, hey, you have to tell me every single detail of your life because I need to be able to understand your trust and and not have any more surprises if she wasn't also exuding that, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it energy. Exactly. Exactly. So many layers to that. (laughs) Even when her own life was a mess. I'll still fix your problems. Exactly. I got mm-hmm. you. Don't got myself, but I got you. Unless you're my husband's wife, I will fix your problems. Like, or my boyfriend's wife, I but will fix your problems. But even if you are and they get divorced, I'll still help you become the president of the United States. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. objective in how she ran things. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying, but objective. You know, still solve of- problems and came out a winner. <laughs> Yes. So you said that Olivia Pope is, and you are, not surprisingly, both Enneagram 8s. What does that mean? Yeah. So the Enneagram is a phenomenal tool. You can take free quizzes um, to kind of find out your type. But um, there's three triads on the Enneagram. And, Enneagram, and so we all have like centers that we lean into. Um, so if you're a type two, three, or four, you lean towards your heart. If you're a five, six, or seven, you lean towards your head and like facts being kind of what drive things or opinions, but being what drive you. And then eights, nines, and ones actually are led by their gut or their instinct. Um, and so as a type eight, I'm known as a challenger. Um, we like to challenge Um, (laughs) literally challenge the status quo. I know, surprising, right? Um, But we're also very protective. And so like, if you are in my, if you are one of mine, whether that be family, friends, clients, whatever, I got you and I will go literally bat for you in any and every situation. Um, And so think of me like a a mama bear type of a vibe, like we'll solve all the problems in the world if if I know you're on my team. And so- um, yeah, we just like fixing things. Again, all things that <laughs> line up to being Olivia Pope, but it's very natural for us to kind of have those tendencies. However, we have strengths and we have weaknesses. So at the highest version of ourself, we help, we serve, we advocate for others. And at the not so great versions of ourself, we start Googling the life out of things to go learn more so that we can flip it around to take the control back that we want. <laughs> so, what? Who's ever done that? I don't know what you could possibly yeah. mean. Looks at shelf of books I have not yet read. Shush. 
it's okay. I can see my bookshelf too, but you should read those books. <laughs> yes. Yes, we should. We And also, if you happen to be listening to this and you identify as a woman with anger, all of you should read the book, The Change, which I was telling Kristen about in the pre-chat, basically argues, what if menopause turns us into witches? Think about it. Read it. Let me know what you think. Send me a comment. All right. So my other thing about Olivia and and the way that she does and this conversation is that she has accrued this motley ragtag bunch of specialists and underlings who quite literally are willing to die for Olivia Pope. Sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes it's real scary. Sometimes it's a cliffhanger two-part episode, right? But other than, you know, the threat of death, which I think most of us are not working under international espionage law, but what is the positive side of leadership that we can learn from Olivia Pope? I think one of the things that she did, though, and again, as you continue, so spoiler alert, but she literally trains her team to take over her business. So as she transitions into the next thing of her life, there's a succession plan. And so your business should outlive you. Um, Again, even if you are a one-man show and want it to be that, are you mentoring the next coach, the next web designer, the next whatever that might be to continue this legacy? Um, And are you enabling them with the knowledge. I think a lot of times you see like these coaches, they keep their knowledge so close to the best and like, until you pay me a million dollars, I can't help you. And it's like, you want all the answers to what I do? Listen to the last 44 minutes of this episode. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. Here's everything that you need to know and we can customize it. We can go deeper. But at the same time, like, here's what I do and here's how I can help you. And here's how you can turn around and go do this for others. And so Olivia Pope might have had people killing other people in the process of things, or at least coming real close to get the answers that they wanted, but also like have a conversation, have a line of communication of like, I'm here to support you, but I also need to know that like you're supporting me. And she built that relationship with every single person on her team individually and collectively. Um, and sometimes if you're a solopreneur, your team is your spouse or your kid or your best friend who doesn't have anything else to do with her time. Um, for me, it's my mom as my copywriter. <laughs> she was an English teacher. And so whatever <laughs> that looks like as your team, whether they're paid or not paid, um, the people in your, in your mastermind or your inner circle or whatever it is that you're doing, give them everything that you know share your knowledge and share your expertise because when you have their back, they'll have yours in return. And if you demand honesty, be fully honest yourself. Yes. Because we saw those episodes where Olivia gets bit in her own butt and it's only her own fault. You know why? Because she was making some interesting personal choices. (laughs) Very interesting choices. (laughs) For the record, I don't make those interesting choices. I just uh, can relate. But not those mm-hmm. interesting choices. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, oh man, I want to just keep you here forever and always now that I finally got you here. But I want to be respectful of your time and our listeners' bandwidth. So I have two more questions for you. The first question is, um, if you were going to solve a problem 
for one American president, fictional, non-fictional, or future, which president would you want to solve a problem for? And yes, there's a time machine involved if you want to like solve a problem for, I don't know. Okay. So I think it all went south somewhere between the first Bush and Clinton. And so, which is actually where the the legit real life Judy Smith, she was the crisis management person for but the first Bush. And so like, I'd probably go fix things there because it all went south afterwards. Um, whether you like the president or not, the whole, it just all went south. Doesn't matter. It just got to get fixed. (laughs) I mean, that's the era that also inspired the West Wing eventually. So like, come on now. Come on. Yeah. So I think I would go back to like the early nineties and do something, but on a fictional level, because you just mentioned the West Wing. Absolutely. Because that's where my obsession with legal dramas started was the West Wing. So like, can I just go be like the Olivia Pope for Josiah Bartlett, please? And thank you. Yes. Yes, yeah. of course you can. Thank you. Yes, of course you absolutely can. And and if you do somehow wind up finding a time machine and uh, going back and talking to W, let him know he becomes like super besties with Michelle Obama and watch his head just explode. If he even knows who she is yet. And then like, what? We, we share candy at what? <laughs> huh? Yeah. People are upset about what? Uh, but that'll be loads of fun. Anyway, <sighs> I have gotten so many gut checks. I have gotten so much joy, so much knowledge, so much learning. First and foremost, if I don't know my Enneagram type and I want to start that exploration, what is your preferred route for testing? Absolutely love Truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y. I can send you the link, Annie, to drop in the show notes. Um, but Truity is a great tool. There's tons of free ones out there that can tell you your type. You can Google your way through it if you really want to. But um, Truity has phenomenal breakdown and actually has resources for both personal and professional growth. And when I'm ready to lean on it all, power it all, trust it all, fuel it all. And I know I need your support. What's the best way for our listeners to come and start a conversation with you? Start on Instagram. Like just just DM me, say hi. I listen to Annie's podcast and I want to be so legitimate that I never quit on my own success. (laughs) I mean, how easy is that? Go find out your Enneagram type and then send the woman a DM. Come on now. Come on now. DM conversations are free. (laughs) Yeah, DMs are free. After that, get ready to pay some Olivia Pope prices. No, just kidding. She's really expensive. (laughs) She was expensive. She was really expensive. Kristen is more reasonable than that. Um, Well, thank you for being my Olivia Pope and my friend and such a source of inspiration. It has been such a pleasure and honor to interview you today. Thanks for having me. This is great. I'm glad we made it happen. Yes, we did. All right, y'all, I'm going to take a deep breath after all those gut checks, and I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week, and it will probably involve some journaling, so just get ready for that. Well, hey there. Okay, second to go, like, seriously within the last three minutes, I found out that I am an Enneagram 2, which is called the helper. And let me tell you, 
while I'm not surprised, my brain is pretty blown and a little bit pissed off, which means that everything I'm reading is totally true. I promised myself I would base this week's homework on something I learned about myself in the process of taking the Enneagram, and dang it, my brain has set us up for a doozy. So I'm going to skip over all the good, touchy-feely, wonderful things that I learned about Enneagrams types too. This is homework, after all, and get to the stuff that happens when we are not healthy and not behaving optimally. Twos seek validation of their worth by obeying their superego's demands to sacrifice themselves for others. They believe they must always put others first and be loving and unselfish if they want to get love. The problem is that putting others first makes twos secretly angry and resentful, feelings they work hard to repress or deny. So thank you, EnneagramInstitute.com for that scathingly accurate quote. <laughs> Everyone go check them out to learn more, the good, the bad, and the ugly of your own Enneagram. But yowza. So that quote, that truth, is a really big part of why the non-sleazy sales academy exists. When I ran my marketing and branding firm, The Idea Doula, I often had the happiest clients, but was quite, 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 quite broke myself. And the worst part of all of it was that I started to resent the people I was helping. And it felt disgusting and fake and needy at times when I needed to be creative and sturdy and reliable. And it was icky sometimes. And it hurt because I watched the relationship with people I cared about erode because of my own inability to self-advocate, I guess. So when I started learning sales, which really was a phenomenal gift, which is why I teach it now, I finally integrated boundaries into my life and into my work. And now here we are, all love, all joy, hard work, and only very rarely the teensiest little echo of past resentment. So this week, our homework is to journal. I know I warned us, Kristen, see, I promised there'd be journaling. But we're going to journal on our ideal client relationship, not our avatar, but how do we want that relationship to function day in, day out? If our relationship even spans multiple days, where are the boundaries? Where are the pleasure points? Where do we over-deliver gladly? Where do we start to overcommit or hyperextend ourselves? And what's our plan for reining it all back in? How do we know if a client relationship is behaving optimally? We love our people and our people love us, but we're still a damn business. So it's time to think on it and file a report with our internal HR. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. 
big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigneault. See you next time. <laughs>